0: And then I missed seven of the last eight cuts that season and like, didn't even keep my card. And I thought I got the driver yips, but lesson learned, I got to the end of the season, found out my driver had been cracked the entire time, so I didn't actually have the driver yips. I'm just an idiot.
1: This is The Tournament Code. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Andrew. We know a little bit about where you are right now, but before we get into where you are right now, we kind of like to start with every guest in the same spot, which is how'd you get into the game of golf? Uh,
0: Nobody in my family played. So literally, like a lot of guys my age, kind of tiger. When I was young, probably three, four years old, um, I wasn't like a big TV kid. Like, I wouldn't really watch it. And I guess it was you know early April. Masters was on, and you know this was back when you know NBC, ABC, CBS. There wasn't a whole lot of golf on, but Masters was on. So I think my dad had thrown it on. And my parents, I got two sisters within three years of me, um younger. So they were off, you know, with the babies, and I was three years old, and they left me like in the room playing or whatever. And they kind of realized I'd been quiet for a while and hadn't, you know, made much noise. And so they went back to check on me and I was sitting there actually watching TV, watching golf. And so, like, okay. And then they left me. And like an hour later, they came back and I was still sitting there watching golf. And like way too long of an attention span for a three-year-old to be doing that. And uh, my birthday's March 31st. So it was a late birthday gift after that. Um, my uncle, that you know, told, they told the whole family they were laughing about it. He got me a set of like little plastic clubs, and I used to go out in the backyard, and I literally for hours would just. My dad took these, you know, like the flower pots or like uh, plastic flower pots you can get. He like dug holes in the ground, put them in the ground, and so I had little cups in the backyard, and I would hit the different holes just in the backyard doing that. And That's, I mean, that was basically my introduction to golf, and I did that just like hitting around the yard for. Years, but I never actually like I mean my dad didn't play at all. Like I had nobody in my family played play. My grandfather plays a little bit now that he's retired, but that's all I did. And so I kinda learned how to swing and I, I had, you know, chipped around, but mostly it was like putting or, or chipping or something. It wasn't a whole lot of that. And then uh when I got to seventh grade in South Carolina, that's when you can try out for the high school team. And so I decided to go do that. Uh, gave it a try. Now, I was terrible. I didn't know how to, you know, I had, you know, proper clubs and stuff. That, uh, I say that. They weren't really proper clubs. They were probably U.S. kids clubs or something. I don't know. And I went out and, I don't know, shot 55 for nine holes from, like, the tees and stuff and didn't make the team. Wasn't even close. Like, whatever. Got cut, but kind of loved it. Like, what I did for a couple days. and. Went back and talked to my mom and was like, hey, like, I kind of want to do this. Like, I want to I want to try this. And so we got with a local coach in the area, and he was like, well, why don't you try like some kids' clinics first before you just jump straight into lessons? So I did that, loved that, and, yeah, started started taking lessons, and I uh, kind of went from there. So I guess I was probably 12, 13 years old, whatever, spring, seventh grade, when I started really working at it.
1: That is awesome. Were you playing any other sports in the – yeah, meantime, yeah, I played,
0: like, all the sports growing up. Basketball, that was, so, like, I played, you know, team basketball for years. Like, that was kind of, had been my main sport, and I played, like, a good bit of soccer. I love football, but, like, I only played, like, one year of that. I, I don't have paying tolerance for that. Played baseball. Like, I played it all growing up. But then once, like, seventh grade, I kind of, like, started doing that. I started dropping other ones. Basketball was like the last sport I dropped basically for golf, but that's kind of like, I caught the bug and then I was just like, I was like all in.
2: At what point did you decide to drop basketball and specialize in golf?
0: Well, so 7th grade was my last year. I did like with the middle school team, but I, I played like some rec ball stuff because it was like, it, I mean, it was a lot less of like a time commitment because like, once I started working at it, I was like going to the range every afternoon, so I couldn't be going to like the school team practice like after whatever uh, after school because that was going to cut into the golf time so i play like rec ball where i could you know show up at 7 p.m and just play the games and, and whatnot
1: that is awesome so you get into golf probably what many people call a little later my myself i fell into that same category i didn't start playing competitive tournaments till i was a sophomore in high school i played similar to you i was playing soccer i was playing basketball i was playing baseball i was playing about everything except for golf but you ended up going on and playing in college tell us kind of how you got from okay i shot 55 over nine holes in seventh grade to playing in school
0: i honestly it might have been 60 like 55 might be generous like it was bad but like once i started working at it i got better quickly because all those years in like the backyard and all that like i could putt i had good hands i could chip like I, I could feel shots like stuff that maybe would take longer to develop i kind of had that because i had feel i just had literally no idea how to actually swing a golf club so once i got a coach that started teaching me like what to do like i sh- like started shaving shots fast so like by the time eighth grade came around for for, for tryouts i was like i'd probably shaved Ten to fifteen shots. So I went out like that year, shot like a forty-four in in tryouts, and I got like called all the way. I made it all the way to like the last day, and then played bad that last day. He decided not to take me, so I got cut twice from the team. But I had like improved a ton that year, and I was still like committed. And I think getting cut that second time was probably the best thing for me because I ended up going to a different high school and loved that like way more pretty much like once I had caught the bug, I just stayed with it. So like I got progressively like better every year. It was just like the toughest thing for me was like the recruiting process because I started so late. Like I'm sure you, you kind of had some of that. Like I was still not like I was getting better quick, but like by my sophomore year, I still was like not very good. Like I wasn't even good by my senior year, Like, but I was much better than where I was sophomore year. And by sophomore year, like all these college coaches are taking all these kids. So like, Especially, I just happened to be coming up in South Carolina where there were so many good players, like around my age, that all the schools in the area, like the top schools, were taking the top guys. And so then even like the mid tier guys were some solid players and they were filling up spots. So there was like really not a lot of spots at all available at schools in the area. So I ended up only getting one offer from Wofford, and that, that's where I ended up going. But like by my senior year, I was nationally ranked. Like I was, you know, playing big AJGA events. I almost made the Wyndham Cup team. I was ranked like top fifty on Golf Week and the Polo rankings. I think by the time I graduated, but I only had one offer. It was like it was so weird. But it, like it all happened like so late because of like the progression of basically I started late. Nobody had spots, so it, it was kind of weird. I'd be playing these like big junior tournaments and. I'm beating these kids by a few shots. And I'm like, where are y'all going to school? They're like Alabama, like A&M. And they are asking me where I'm going. I'm having to, like, explain where Wofford College is. Like, that yes, it's D1, like, all these things. So it was, it was kind of funny. And I'm glad I went to Wofford. It, it ended up great for me. But, yeah, it, it, it was not, like, the normal junior career. But, like, the more I talk to people, like, a lot of people are like that. It's just, like, if you get into it late, like, you're a little bit behind the eight ball on, on – get these these um uh scholarships
2: was there a moment in your junior career where you can kind of remember realizing that you're going from a kid that is borderline playing college golf or not and then beating sec kids
0: yes and no like going back to how i said like all the south carolina juniors at the time were like studs like that's how I started, like, playing, was playing all these SEC kids, playing all these, like, ACC top school kids. Like, the, like all these junior golfers that I came up with, like, that's what I was straight thrown into with my junior tournaments. So that's all I had to, like, kind of look towards is, like, oh, I got to, like, compete with these guys. So I think, like, the level of competition sort of got me there. And once I was there, like, all these guys were going to these schools, and I was, that's who I had just always been competing with. So, like, I grew up playing like junior golf. Like, it was like guys that are PJ Tour players now. Carson Young, like, since I was real young, okay. like, uh, Ben Griffin, he, he's on tour now. Uh, a lot of like guys that have been Corn Ferry Tour, like Matt Nesmith, he was maybe a year older than me. Uh, the number one junior in the world was a year older than me from South Carolina. Cody Prevost, it was like in junior golf, it was literally like him and Jordan Spieth who were going like back and forth constantly. So it was like,
1: and I'm guessing Stephen Bear Jr. was was also in that mix. Two years
0: older than me. If he could have ever stayed healthy, like he's so good. I mean, he's been killing it on the mid am stuff lately. I think, but yeah, he he was he was really good too. So there there were just so many. We had big kids go to Alabama. uh, Jonathan Hardy, he was like a year younger than me. Keenan Husky, he's he's doing Q school right now. He's a good player. I bet I would not be surprised to see him on Corn Ferry next year so there were just there were so many good players back then um in my area
1: that is that is stout. yeah steven steven plays out at the same course i do and so i get to play with him some and he can it's it's impressive what he can do with a full-time job and still get still get the ball around really well so you end up going to wofford and you're smoking a lot of the sec kids in your junior tournaments what was the transition like to college because for a lot of kids you know they're the best junior player etc and then now they're playing against full-grown men who are four years older than them and i can tell you at least when i was 19 i was not anywhere near a full-grown man at all and so when you step into that sometimes it can be easy depending on who you're playing against and sometimes it can be harder tell us about that transition to college
0: one of the things i'm like super proud of with my college career is I was never left at school for a tournament. I played every tournament for all four years. But, man, I, like, was sneaking into that lineup my freshman year. My freshman year fall, it was definitely, like, it was it was a transition, man. I was, I was not ready for, like, some of the longer courses. I was, I mean, I'm, I'm 6'2", but, like, I was pretty scrawny back then. Like, I wasn't, you know, I didn't hit it very far. It was definitely, like, a bit of an adjustment. I didn't mind like the thirty six whole days as much. Like I was used to playing a ton of golf. Like especially in South Carolina in the summer. Like it's hot. Like you you kind of get used to like some you know pretty grindy days. But just like it was more so some of the golf courses. And we weren't even playing like like our schedule was weak. Like we didn't play like these top events. So like we weren't even playing the toughest courses. But even still, it was like a bit of an adjustment for sure. Uh, especially when like you're sh- I was showing up to tournaments and like the guys I was playing with were like driving at 20 30 40 by me like i mean i definitely had to lean on my short game a good bit um, my freshman year but then kind of by freshman like spring i kind of hit my stride so my spring was like much better than my fall it was definitely like an adjustment period that fall once i started playing
1: and then as you got into it you know guys are hitting it by you is there anything that you've done to then or now to try to pick up speed try to pick up distance or did you just kind of grow into it as far as fully filling out? Because again, as I said, same story for me. I was for context, not that this is about me, but like my freshman year of high school, I was five four, one fifty. By senior year of high school, I was six one, one seventy five. And probably by the time I was twenty, I was close to done growing. I was six three two ten. And so it it can take a little while to fill out and have everything come in for you. Yeah.
0: I mean now I get in the gym like way more than I did back then. Like I'd never, I didn't even know what a gym was back then. So that, that's helped, but also just like getting comfortable with my swing. Like you can literally just gain speed by just swinging a lot, like getting used to it, getting, like forcing yourself to swing faster and just getting more comfortable moving everything at those speeds. So that just, as I played, I mean, I probably came into college like 6'1", like 170. When I graduated, I was, I think, I might have been 6'2", but but when I graduated, I was like 6'2", probably closer to 200, and now I'm like 6'2", maybe 215, 220. Like, I'm, you know, I'm much bigger, like, broader, uh, stronger than I was back then. Uh, So that's definitely helped with speed, but it was, like, back in junior golf, like, I never really worked on speed because i didn't really need it on the courses we were playing like i never really felt like i was like hit too short i mean some guys just bombed it and i was like oh they do that whatever but it definitely once i got to college and been with some of like my teammates i was like all right this is something i do need to like get a little bit more comfortable hitting it farther and it's funny like thinking back to like my freshman and sophomore year when i go back to school i'll go oh i'll go back i try to get back like at least once a year and play with the team and uh i'll go back and play like our own course i'm like man i really used to hit it in some of these spots like what was i doing like there's bunkers that i'm like man i used to like if i missed one this was kind of in play and i'll be like 30 40 by him now like like not even thinking about them. so it is kind of funny to like think back on that but the nice thing like college is like you're still growing like getting used to it and like you said like when you come in like that four-year difference is big like it's, it's definitely, like, it can be a shock factor when you first get there.
2: At what point during your college career did you see the PJ Tour as a possibility?
0: Definitely not until, like, mm, I don't even know, like, PJ Tour. Even my senior year when I was playing, well, I, I don't know if I actually, like, knew if I could make it to PJ Tour. But, like, definitely by junior year, I was, like, thinking I kind of wanted to, like, try professional golf. Because my junior year is when I started kind of, like, Especially in the spring, I finally like won my first event and was starting to do well and moving up the rankings. I got an uh, individual invite to NCAAs. So that's kind of when I was like, okay, I'll, when I'm done, I'll probably want to give this a try. And also, I was like, everything I was doing in school, I was like, I don't want to do any of this stuff. So uh, golf definitely like looked like a better option. And then by my senior year, I started taking steps to actually, like, not just, like, prepare myself, but, like, actually become a professional. Like, went up my ring of my senior year and did Mackenzie Q School up in Canada. I took, like, a whole week off school. Went up there and did that. I started, like, talked to, like, a few club companies. I ended up settling with Strixon and Strixon Cleveland. And so I it was... I guess my senior year, I started like taking steps to actually like move towards a professional career. But I, honestly, like thinking back, I don't know if I was like, oh, I'm definitely making it to the PGA Tour and all that. I just wanted to like, I'd always been kind of like about competing. And I, I knew I could beat guys that were turning pro. And so I was like, well, if I could beat them, maybe I could beat other people. I don't know where this will take me, but I'm going to give it a, a go and have fun with it and see see how
1: far it goes. What was the path like? as far as okay, as we've talked about, you get to college, there's kind of a level switch and you're playing against full grown men, some to degree, but when you get but at least they're like, you know, max four now maybe five years older than you. You get out trying to play professionally, there are guys from in their forties on down who have again could have like two times more experience than you have. Tell us about getting out and Finding a position for yourself,
0: like again, same same thing with like my professional career. Like it was a bit of an adjustment. Like back in college, like some of those guys like shipped it, but they had no idea how to actually play golf or get the ball in the hole. Then you get in these pro tournaments, and like most everybody knows how to get the ball in the hole. So like, I mean, if you don't, you're not going to last very long as a professional golfer. So like, it was definitely an adjustment. Like again, the skill level went up. I think. For some guys, like it's not as big a jump because, like, if you played at Alabama, if you play at some of the top schools like Oklahoma, you play these tough golf courses against the best competition. I was playing at Wofford; we were playing like little country clubs in North Carolina and South Carolina. Like our home course was sixty five hundred yards from the tips. Like it was a much bigger adjustment for me. Like the competition we were playing, like I could play. Like some super average golf and still finish like eighth in our college turns because the depth just wasn't there, like that I was competing against. So for me, I do think like going to professional golf was a bigger jump. But again, I kind of lucked out being from South Carolina. Amateur golf in the summer was like considerably more difficult. Like it was better competition than our college golf at times just because I was playing against like better players locally. So that definitely helped playing stuff like that. But in my pro career, I started up in Canada and, like, really didn't have the best start. Like, my first few events were pretty good. I think I, like, was top. I made, like, the first four cuts, finished, like, top 30, three of the four. So, like, it was a pretty good start McKenzie Tour for me. And then I missed seven of the last eight cuts that season and, like, didn't even keep my card. And I thought I got the driver yips. But lesson learned, I got to the end of the season, found out my driver had been cracked the entire time. So I didn't actually have the driver yips. So I'm just an idiot. Which actually was very, I don't know, what like freeing. Like finding out that you're an idiot, it's, but you don't actually suck, is like a really nice confidence boost heading into Q school. And that, I think that actually helped me get through Q school my first year. Like, because I was just like riding this high of, wow, I'm actually not bad at golf. It's just like completely not my fault at all. And so then uh, I kind of was just like striping it for a few months after that. But yeah, it was like definitely some like lessons learned like that. Like, you know, take care of your clubs. Like, don't be an idiot. So it again, kind of like college, my first couple of years pro, like I was still like feeling stuff out. It it was like more of a learning curve for me than maybe some. And, and I was a little slower, like catching on and, and getting onto the Corn ferry Tour and uh, getting to the PGA Tour. It was a little slower than some, but, like, you know, the progression was there each year.
2: Yeah, so what was that mindset going into the first time going to Q School, and what was that experience like?
0: So my first year, so because I had McKenzie, I didn't have to go to pre-qualifying, which was nice. So my first stage I went to was Irish Creek, in like, just outside Charlotte. And I didn't know anything about the place, but that ended up being, like, the best decision for me because that course is almost identical to the course we played in college so like once i got there it was like super comfortable and again like i said i was kind of riding that high of like like i would literally i i had gotten like a replacement driver head like it was a driver i'd never even played i think it was like the original tailor-made m1 or maybe it was the second generation m1 or something like that i literally like my agent at the time it was like his head he was like here use this I was like fine. I just like was striping around the course all week and made a bunch of birdies. Like I, I wasn't even I think I was leading going into the back nine of the final round. I think I shot forty on the back nine of the final round It still was like ten up on the number. Like it wasn't you know, I, I just was like floating on cloud. I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I was just kind of playing golf and making a bunch of birdies and never had like any stress. I ended up going to second stage. I was still riding the same thing, played in Dothan. Same thing. Like I ended up with, like I won that one by like three shots was like 15 up on the number. uh, Beat a a guy named Joaquin Neiman by three shots. Like I was just like cruising. I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I didn't even, I didn't even realize that Q school was supposed to be like stressful. I was just like, you know, cruising. And then uh, I got to final stage and I, you know, it was, that was a bit of a rude awakening, and I actually played okay, but, like, missed the number by three. It was it was one of the—they had two years where they played in Arizona. It was, like, horrible. It was, like, the worst Q school course they could have played. Uh, the number that year was, like, 13, 14, 15 under or something stupid like that. The next year, the number ended up being 18 under, which—if you finish 46th and you're 17 under or something, that's so disheartening. Like, it was ridiculous that they played there and that place was way too easy but I, I don't know why i was able to get through q school that well but it, it was just kind of riding high and then kind of rolled that into into playing uh, corn ferry for a few years
2: so did you get conditional status off of your final stage start or did you have some starts guaranteed
0: yeah so that first year since i missed by like three shots I had conditional like if you miss you get conditional regardless but I wasn't gonna get any starts uh and so I went and started doing Mondays and I don't know I don't know what it is mentally with me but I've always been pretty comfortable in Mondays because it's just like I play kind of free and I ended up Mondaying in three times in like my first six tries or something uh, made a couple cuts there, and got to, so that got me through a reshuffle. So about, like, I missed probably like the first eight events of the year, and then Monday did like three times in four weeks. And then after that, there was a reshuffle, and I, like, played most of the rest of the season. So I played about half the season. Didn't play well, but learned a lot. Didn't really have any, like, top finishes. I think I was probably... Like, 140 on the points list, 120, 130, I don't know, nowhere, nowhere near anything. So I ended up having to go back to first stage the next year. And then again, kind of blitz Irish Creek, went to a different place. And that's when I finally found out that like Q school, like that second stage, I played decent, but like, I was only like, I think I was probably 10 to 15 shots up on the number going into the final round, like every day, every other time I played Q school. So there was not like the stress. That last time I was like four, I was like four or five up on the number, and I was playing fine, and then took like a horrendous double on like the fourteenth hole, and those last four holes were like the most miserable golf I've ever played in my life because I thought I was like only two up on the number or something, and that's probably the most uncomfortable I've ever been on a golf course, and so then I kind of realized why Q school is awful for people uh, mentally. But I got through there and then went to final stage. And I was actually one of the guys that shot 17 under that year and didn't get starts. Missed by one. But enough guys skipped Exuma, the Bahamas event that starts here because it's like dumb expensive, that I actually ended up getting into that tournament on like Monday or Tuesday. Finished top 25 that week. So I got the next week, made a cut that week. And then managed to sneak in the next tournament, which was in Bogota, Colombia, because it's there's two courses there. So it's a bigger field. Finished like fifth that week. Uh, so I, I ended up getting in the whole season and finished like 60-something on points. So I, I didn't have to go to Q school after that. I kept my Corn ferry card. And then the next season is when I got my p j Tour card, although that was the COVID year. So it was a two-year-long season uh, before I got my PJ Tour card.
1: That's a lot of time out there. It's a lot of time. You know, trying to get status and then, but still, for a lot of guys, like plenty of guys go longer than that and don't get status. What was your mindset going into that? Some guys, like, there's lots of things that can keep you from being able to play, f- play forever. What was your mindset as far as did you, had you said, Hey, I'm just going to do this until I die, we'll see what happens? Or was there like a timeline before you'd gone to Q school, et cetera, where you said, All right, if like, five years, ten years, I don't see any fruit from this, then I probably need to find some other job. Yeah, as
0: far as like like plan B options, like I graduated from school, I had a degree, but like I didn't really want to do anything else. Like nothing, it's like been super appealing to me as far as jobs. So, I didn't really have like a timeline. Like obviously like if money started being an issue, like that was going to be a timeline. But like I kind of as long as I was getting better, as long as, like, I was working at it and felt like I was actually improving, like, I was going to keep going for it. Because, like, especially with the first year, like, getting through, getting to final stage, like, I knew I was better the second year than I was the first year. And so, like, if I'd gotten that far that year, then why couldn't I get farther the next year? And then, you know, I kept my card. Like, if I could do that once, like, why couldn't I do that again on courses that I've already played? and like. I'm getting more used to it and, and getting better. So it, there was always like a little bit of progression for me that just kind of, I, I never really thought about quitting or was worried. I guess the only time that was like not so great was that first year when I only had conditional and I was going to have to chase Mondays. Like Mondays get pretty dumb expensive and that's a tough grind. Like you don't have really a place to play. So that, one, that was, I guess, where it was like maybe looking kind of, not so great but like i was playing good golf at the time too so it was not like a super concern and especially once i started like mondaying in like that was uh that was pretty freeing because then i I knew i would you know have a decent chance of shuffling it
2: yeah i know you mentioned earlier you said mondays kind of free you up and that's obviously a really good mindset to have but what what can you attribute to just being able to go free into mondays because i think a lot of guys would Be like, you know, I have conditional status. I don't have any starts. And if I don't shoot 64 today, I'm screwed.
0: I don't know why. I mean, I've Mondayed in. I just Mondayed into Shriners a couple weeks back. I think I've Mondayed in eight times on about 20 attempts, which stacks up to pretty much anybody. I don't care. T.J. Vogel, Chip McDaniel, Patrick Reed, like top Monday qualifying guys, like. I think I might be like up there with it. I don't know why. I I think I get on some of these easier courses where they have the Monday and I know you got to go low, but like, I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to get to actually play an easier course in competition. Like all I play on tour is like these tough, brutal courses. And I get on one of these and I'm like, wait, you mean I get to have a wedge in every hole? Like you mean I can hit a five iron into a par five? Like, I don't know. I like when I go into them, I'm just like, I don't think about like exactly what I got to shoot. Like I usually have a number in my head that I want to get to, but like all I'm worried, like all I want to do is just maximize birdie opportunities. Like I don't care what the hole is. Like as long as I'm giving myself birdie opportunities, if I start seeing some putts go in, like I don't know, it's kind of like a switch that flips. Like literally at the Shriners one, I shot nine under, I think the number ended up being like seven under, but I made a putt on the ninth hole. And once I made it, I kind of knew I was getting in like, I don't know why there's like a a switch that flips. Like I, I just kind of like, I knew it was kind of like one of those days. And like, I was just like, not going to get my own way. I was just going to kind of let the putter work and and play the right shots. And I don't know, mentally, I'm just comfortable in them because if you don't get through, it's no pressure. Like nobody's gonna be like, how did you not get through that Monday? Like, it's a hard thing to do, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I just, I'm um, I'm comfortable in them and I just, whatever happens, happens and, and go play pretty free golf.
1: You said that as long as you kept getting better, you were going to keep playing. We talked a little bit about what instruction looked like for you when you were a kid. Now that you're playing on tour, what is instruction and coaching look like for you? Yeah, I'm
0: still with the same coach from like seventh grade when we went and yeah, with the local guy. So we definitely work on, like, a little bit different things, but it's the same guy. Like, we still do some of the same things from, like, when we started. It's not anything crazy different. You know, time to time, I've got different issues going on. But for me, it's pretty comfortable to what I've always done, which is nice. I can call him and tell him, you know, hey, this is what the ball's doing, and he can give me, like, two or three options of what I'm probably doing. Like he knows he knows my swing better than anybody. And I know what he's talking about when he's explaining me something, he can be like, hey, like, remember back in college when you were doing this, like I want you to start doing this drill to try and clean that up. So it's definitely like a level of comfort there, but like it's also worked. Like I I, I know we work well. So it's just about putting effort in and grinding. Like I, I talked about, like, improving. Like, you can't just look, like, week to week with improving. Like, golf isn't like that. Like, you're not just going to get better every single week. Like, you're going to have some off weeks. You got to look at it in, like, scopes of, you know, four months, six months, 12 months. Like, is there progress? Is there, is there a progression? And that's kind of what I work towards, you know, showing improvement over, you know, long stretches of time. You know, like, same same thing with putting. Like, you can't just be like, Like, have an off week and be like, oh, I got to change all my putting. Like, no, you got to look at, you're not going to putt well every week. Like, over a span of three months, if you have three really good putting events and some other solid ones, that's, that's, you're putting well. Like, that's a good thing. Like, it's golf. There's variance. Like, there's always going to be like regression to means and stuff. But as long as you have that mean, like, improving steadily, like, there's going to be variance within it. But, like improving your range of outcomes, I guess is is the best way I can explain it, and and that's you know how I try and look at things.
2: Yeah, you say so you mentioned or you mentioned you work with the same guy from seventh grade. I know a lot of guys out on tour, and I'm and I noticed this when I was caddying for Ashton. That I mean they'll they'll bring six seven guys out there with them. They'll bring mental coach, putting coach, swing coach, caddy, girlfriend. All these people are out there with them has it been hard to just stick with that one guy or do you bring other people with you on the road?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been times where like people are like, you know, maybe you should see somebody else or maybe, maybe you should do this or that. For me, like not really. I, you know, I, I know it works like, like, yeah, I'm going to have bad weeks. Yeah. I'm going to be struggling at times, but like I've never like not gotten it fixed or not been able to put the work in and get, back to where it needs to be or improve on something. So, I mean, I I know uh, I love my boy Akshay. He's my boy, but I've never seen him in a tournament with less than like five people around that
2: that was the
0: one that was the
2: one person I was thinking of uh when I was saying (laughs) I I know
0: that's that's my guy. I, I love him a lot. But yeah it's some guys are like that. That's how they gotta function. Uh like Hideki he's got his Guys all the time, he's a Strixon guy. There's literally a Strixon rep dedicated to decking. Like, that's what he does. And he's just the tinker and he's always got guys with him, and he'll have a thought on the range on Wednesday afternoon, and they'll go build the club up and see if it works. You know, like, that's how some guys do it. Me, I'm like, you know, I'll have me and my caddy, my coach will show up every once in a while, and I'm going to go grind and do my tournament prep, and and that's what I'm going to do. So. I think, like, for different, pre- for different people, it works different ways. And I don't know, I've always just, you know, I'll put the work in, like, regardless. And then if I, if I need it, if I need the help, you know, I can call him and he'll be there.
1: When it comes to tournament prep, putting in that work, tell us what that looks like for you and your caddy.
0: So Mondays, usually, like, travel days, uh, if it works, I like to be able to get out there you know, register, do all like the in house stuff, I guess. And then if I can putt and maybe hit some balls, I will. I like I like trying to get some putting out on Monday if possible, just to see where the green speeds are at. I mean they may, you know, change throughout the week, but just to see how they're rolling, especially if I've been there in the past to like like if they're okay, this is what Monday usually is. I know it's probably gonna be like Thursdays out. Thursday usually is sort of thing. Tuesday, I'm usually an early practice round guy. I don't you know, I'll I'll play with people, but like I'm not gonna go out of my way to make sure I'm playing with somebody. Like whoever's there, I'll play with them, whatever. But I'm gonna do my work. So uh, we usually go out around like 8 a.m. Try and get them all in. It depends on some weeks. It might only be nine because then I'll get like nine in the pro on Wednesday. If I played there a bunch, like I may not need to like see all of them on Tuesday. But we'll go play, uh, come back, you know, and and get to work. I'll hit some balls, a lot of short game, putting. Probably, I would say Tuesdays are more like swing work and and hitting balls up. And then Wednesdays, usually pro-am, a lot more short game. Usually, you know, greens are firmed up. They're getting a little closer to speed. So a lot of short game Wednesday, a lot of putting Wednesday, like speed work, because that's, you know, usually – Closer to what you'll see speed-wise during the tournament. And then also hitting some balls Wednesday. And then Thursday's go time.
1: One of the things that we see a lot of people make mistakes at, at, frankly, every level I think it's still done, is not knowing what the hell you're doing in a practice round. And everyone goes out there kind of for – everyone can go out there for different reasons. But I think especially in junior golf, you see it most like – Practice rounds are a lot of times just wasted energy. They're not focusing on the right things. Tell us when you go out for a practice round, what you're focusing on.
0: Yeah. So, most of the time, I play a practice round like straight up like a practice round. Uh, I'll get some like money matches every once in a while, but usually that's only if it's like a course that I've played. Like it's my third year, year playing there, fourth, like, and I know the course Then I might get in something like that. But usually, like a practice round, I'll be. I mean, they give us, you know, my caddy will get the sheep from in the K dining area that has the pins from the previous year. So we kind of know where the pins will be. Uh, if I've played there before, I also kind of ha- can have an idea of, like, what they'll do as far as that. And then it's just, like, talking through, you know, where pins are going to be, how we want to attack them, where we should attack them from. Uh, so a lot of, like, start lines off tees, deciding, like, where's the best place to miss. And then around the greens, you know, where, where is okay to be? So, like, certain pins, I'll take some balls, throw them around the green somewhere, like, or, like, off the green and be like, all right, is this, like, a reasonable place to get up and down from? And then my caddy will, you know, he'll put an X and a void, okay. Like, he'll, he'll usually mark down where's okay to where. So we just have a general idea of, like, when I'm, you know, during the tournament, 160 yards out, like a, maybe a decent number to a certain pin, can I go after it? Like if it's like kind of 50-50 like how bad is the miss if I go after this one? Like can I get away with it? Is it probably smart to just give myself like 15-20 feet and give it a go from there? So just trying to take in basically all the data we can so I can make like the be- best decisions I can during the tournament based on how I feel I can play to certain or from certain areas
1: that makes sense so once you get into the tournament you know there's a lot of energy effort that gets expanded you said that you're a guy who has started going doing at least a little bit more lifting i know you got some time in the gym in a just a little bit tell us what that workout routine looks like over a course of a tournament week
0: it depends like on the day so like tuesday is a different day than wednesday like i'll be doing different things and monday can be different depending on how travel goes but generally Tuesday's like a little bit more intensive than wednesday wednesday is going to be like much more like functional base like mobility and then if it was like a long travel day that might just be more how tuesday turns out because if i'm sitting in a plane for a while or a car for a while i get tight. Like, my hip flexibility is not very good, so I got to make sure to stay loose because if my hips get tight, I get, like, I can get back problems. I've had, like, knee problems just from, like, being tight. Like, not not nothing major, but, like, it's something I got to, like, stay on top of. So I work with Randy Myers down here in uh, St. Simons. I know you had mentioned you talked to Greg Groves before. Uh, him and Greg, I think, go way back with the TPI stuff. So, but yeah, we, I've been working with him for a while. You know, we've got our plans. Uh, they, they change like, you know, maybe every four to six months, we'll like have, you know, I'll, I'll be working with him and he'll come up with something like a little bit more like focused on what I need uh, for that part of time. But like as far as like warm ups before tournament, like Thursday to Sunday, like before the round, that's like been pretty consistent. Uh, for a while now, I kind of always just like have the same set of, you know, few things I do that just like basically gets me uh, hopefully in as close to the same position every every day I show up. Uh, so I just have that level of consistency when I go play.
1: That is awesome. I know we're coming up on time, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. We haven't talked much. We've talked about you know how you got to the PGA Tour. We talked about what you do now that you're out there and kind of the tools that you've built and the team that you've built around you. Tell us some things that we wouldn't understand about being on tour unless we were there. Some things that surprised you about being there that you wouldn't have thought were that way.
0: I don't know if I've been like super surprised by tour. I don't, but I also don't know like really what my expectations would have been going into it. Like, I mean, I played corn fairy events and so I knew how those were. Tour courses are definitely harder than Corn Fairy courses. I think one of the things, like, I wasn't super pre- prepared for when I got to PJ Tour was, like, how firm some of the greens can get. That was not really something we saw much on Corn Fairy Tour, a uh, whole lot. And, like, I never saw in college. Like, there was never green firmness in college at all. Like, in college, you had the rangefinders. And if I shot 135, it was 135. Now I'll be at a tournament, and the number is 192. Well, we gotta be landing this thing like one eighty two. And so then you're doing like conversions based on that. Like it's a lot more a lot more math, a lot more guessing involved at in, at these PGA tour events than maybe, you know, just point and shoot from before.
1: That is helpful note. I think that's interesting not just to us, but probably to our guests. We talked with Marty Jertson. A while back and one of the things he talked about that was interesting was in a in a vacuum curving the ball one way or another really doesn't affect much as far as your scoring goes all, all things being equal so if you sit let's i'll re i'll say it like this if you hit onto soft greens where the ball just lands etc like your dispersion uh between a draw and a fade doesn't particularly change too much as far as center, how far how centered it is on your shot pattern, so it doesn't matter too much and I think for people like me never played on Tour and Cooper, obviously never played on tour caddied on Ferry, but didn't see the same level of difficulty we the courses we play for the most part are kind of like that you land your one ninety you land the ball with seven iron one eighty eight maybe it rolls out a little bit, but it's not gonna be going too much whereas as you said, it rolls out there and what Marty had said to us is actually the firmness of the greens is what makes curving the ball both ways. So important from what the data they've run over at ping, the ability to work the ball both ways when the green is manifests itself. When the green is hard, it lets you get closer to the hole, access holes that are otherwise harder to access. So like Robert McIntyre only cuts the ball and if a pins on the right his strokes gained to that pin are really good if a pins on the left they're terrible Justin Thomas hits an average number of greens in regulation in around but his strokes gained are bet his strokes gained ball striking or approach are better than average or and what you would expect for someone who hit that many greens in regulations because of that factor of hitting the firm greens so it's cool to see how that is at least modifies your strategy some and reflects what you've seen out there. So when it comes to playing out there, tell us what you're doing in your free time. Like are you hanging out with your caddy? Do you see him enough Or like, all right, I need to hang out with my wife. What does life look like?
0: My wife's been traveling a little bit more lately. So with her at tournaments, like definitely hanging out with her.
1: Okay, you know, we'll
0: we'll hang out a bit, but we get, you know, we get plenty of time together on the course so you know it just depends i'll do like some sporting events and stuff i'm a big sports guy so uh watching a lot of sports going to sporting events doing stuff like that i try to when i leave the golf course kind of just like like really leave like i don't want to like be thinking about a whole lot of of that once i leave i want to kind of check out do something else. Like right now, you know, I'll be going back watching football or something, usually. But something to kind of get away from it and let me reset, especially if it was like a frustrating day. You know, like go cool off, do something else, get my mind off a bit so I can reset and be in good headspace for the next day.
1: Do you find it hard to reset ever when you've had a tough day or do you ever feel like Pressure knowing that, okay, you got to go play good golf, but you also got to make a living and all that kind of stuff from playing that golf.
0: Yeah, it definitely could be hard to reset. Some days, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, some days it's easier to get over it and just like move past it and reset. And then some days, like some weeks, it's like not as easy. Like, definitely this fall has been pretty stressful with how they changed the rules and stuff. I finished 102 at the end of the regular season and I'm not guaranteed my tour card next year Uh, even though I finished 102 and had a pretty good year and now I've played poorly this fall and I'm kind of in danger of of falling outside the 125 which is like kind of never been a thing before so uh yeah that's been definitely like stressful and when there's a little bit more stress sometimes your fuse gets a little bit shorter a little bit shorter tempered and frustration settles in so like definitely has been like fighting a little bit of that this fall i don't think i've been as good this fall at like resetting at moving on as i have in the past so it's like definitely something that you know i've got two more events this fall and i need good ones and i'm gonna have to kind of do a better job of just handling things these last two events
1: Absolutely. We appreciate that insight and we appreciate you taking the time to join us. The last question we ask every guest is the same. And for you, it's going to be a two-parter. So the first part is if you could go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would that one thing be? And the second part is if you could tell a junior golfer just one thing, what would that one thing be? So for myself,
0: I wouldn't really like change anything. So I don't know what I would tell myself junior wise. Like it'd probably be something kind of lame. Just, like, keep having fun with it. Like, just kind of keep working. But, I I mean, I always kind of had fun with it. I was always working. So, I wouldn't really, like, I liked my path. I liked, you know, being kind of the underdog and and being behind everybody and having something to look towards and be chasing all the time. Uh, That was good for me. But, like, I guess that's kind of what I would tell, like, any junior golfer. Like, if you are behind or if there's players that are better than you, like, embrace that competition use that as like i'm gonna work hard enough to you know go chase that down or if there's you know somebody you can't beat or you don't think you can beat like that's a good goal like chase after that like i i was so blessed to have such good competition around me like that helped me improve so much like finding good competition for yourself is is so nice and if you don't have that find a way to you know have some level of competition like if you are beating everybody find a way to make it harder for yourself in the sense that like okay yeah, like i can play my b game and win but like i want to win by five like like set goals for yourself that or or set a standard for yourself that like forces you to get better forces you to like be maybe a little bit uncomfortable on the course and, and and have to like dig a little bit deeper because, like, eventually you get to levels where guys are better, like, the competition's better. Like, even if you're the best now, like, eventually, like, you know, PJ Tour, these they're good. Like, so being able to play with that level of comfort, like, basically being able to handle that kind of situation of, like, you know, being in a tight, contested tournament against a good player is something you want to be comfortable with.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us. If people are trying to find you on social media, want to learn more about you, et cetera, where where can they find you?
0: Yeah, I'm on uh, X, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, at Andrew Novak Golf. I do not post much on Instagram, Twitter, Come talk to me. I'll say what's up. I do have a podcast with my buddy. We uh, we run a football podcast. It's at screenplay underscore podcast. Check that out if you want some NFL action. Football's a great sport. And we enjoy talking to so you can you can catch me there as well.
1: Be sure to check out Andrew's podcast. Be sure to find him on social media. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please subscribe and leave a rating. And if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. This helps us get our message out to more people. Help, help more people learn about tournament golf. And if you're trying to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the tournament code and on X slash Twitter tournament code. As always, we appreciate you joining us. Look forward to diving in deeper to what it takes to play elite tournament golf.